0: Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us, revealing who you are, revealing who we are, and we thank you for your love that we have sung about and that we'll be talking about in a moment. And Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom right now, give us the ability to understand your word And Lord, inspire us to do the things that your word is calling us to do. Father, we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so last week uh, in the book of Ephesians, we talked about the grand story of the first section of Ephesians chapter 2. And it is a story that has in it a group of people who are in desperate trouble and uh, who are in need of rescue and it has in it a villain, and it has in it a hero. And we saw last week that as much as we want to see ourselves as the hero who rides in on his white horse and slays the dragon and rescues the helpless townsfolk, we do not play that role in that story. We are the helpless townsfolk who are in need of a hero to ride in and rescue us. And we are also the villain of the story who caused the whole problem in the first place through our evil actions. And who's the hero of the story? It's not you, it's not me, Josh knows, it's Jesus is the hero of the story. He is the one who comes in and wins the victory for us. He doesn't just come alongside us and show us how to win. He doesn't just uh, uh, come and, and give us some help. He wins the victory on our behalf. And we talked about that last week, how Jesus' motivation in all of that is that great love that he has for us that we've been singing about this morning. And it's his great love that results in mercy, grace, and salvation for those of us who respond in faith. Now, in some ways, this is a pretty tough story for us to accept. Many of us are really offended by the biblical teaching that we are the villain and the helpless victim of the story. We don't want to see ourselves that way. We want to at least be competent to save ourselves with just a little help. We want to think that if we need help, what we need is just for somebody to give us a sword and a shield so we can go out there and, and slay the dragon ourselves. But that is not the truth. The truth is that we need Jesus to save us and we are powerless without him. The Bible knows that this gospel message is hard for us to accept. The Bible says this, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So what is it about the message of the cross that's foolishness? Well, for many of us, the most foolish part of this is this idea of universal human sinfulness and our inability to make it any better. But to those of us who are being, who are being saved, to those of us who are willing to accept it, those of us who trust Jesus for our salvation and not trust ourselves, this gospel message of the cross is the power of God to save us from our sins. And this grand story of our salvation that we looked at last week ended with a great summary statement in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. And here's what it says. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved by the undeserved favor of God. It is his grace toward us that saves us. It is not from ourselves. It is not something that we must earn or make ourselves worthy of. Our salvation is based in Jesus' righteousness and his payment for our sins, not on our moral performance or our good deeds. It is the gift of God, not by works. So Jesus is the hero who has rushed in to save our unworthy hides from the ultimate consequences of our many sins. But the story does not end there. At that point in the story, we are saved from our sins, we are forgiven, we are destined for eternal reward in heaven rather than eternal punishment in hell, but there is more to the story. And that more to the story comes in the very next verse, Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 10, where it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. In other words, we were handmade by God. And as Christians there's it, it's a kind of we were made twice in a sense, right? God creates everyone as he, uh, as the Bible says, he knits us together in our mother's wombs. but for Christians, we are also recreated, In Christ, we are reborn, remade. The old is gone, the new has come. We're given a new life in Christ. But that new life has a purpose. One of the examples that we used last week of uh, our being saved was uh, that of the Allied soldiers who were on the beaches of Dunkirk who needed to be saved from the german blitzkrieg that was coming down and, and ready to uh, attack them but they, had, they needed to be taken to safety across the english channel but was that the end of their story did they after they arrived in england did they just say okay wow i'm glad i'm out of that war let's uh, retire from the military go back to our life in the countryside of england no they were rescued for a purpose so that they could continue to fight the Germans. And a few years later, many of those same soldiers came back to France. A couple hundred miles further down the beach, on the beaches of Normandy on D Day, they came back and continued the fight. And the Bible is telling us right here in verse 10 that we were also rescued for a purpose. We were saved to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God had in mind already the things that He wanted you to be doing, and He saved you so that you could do them. You were not saved so that you can sit on the sidelines and watch the game being played. You were not saved so that you can have a comfortable life now and go to heaven when you die. You were not saved so that you can punch your ticket for heaven and then live the rest of your life however you want. You were saved for a purpose. You were saved to do good works which God prepared in advance for you to do and the good works that God has planned for you to do are on a big scale. You were not the hero of the story of your own salvation, but God does want you to play a heroic role. God has heroic work planned for you to do. So we're going to do one of those affirmation things where, where you read uh, you repeat after me. So if you believe this is true, I want you to repeat after me this statement. I was saved to do heroic good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. So what kind of good works has God prepared for you? Well, the good works that God has called us to is more than just giving up a few bad habits, right? Of course, we should seek to sin less often and we should seek to get rid of our our bad habits. That's definitely true. But that is not the extent of the life change and the good things that God has called us to. One category of of, of good things that God wants us to do uh, is to work on our personal relationship with God. We should be spending time in prayer. We should be reading our Bibles. We should be attending church services. We should be listening to podcasts or reading good books that help us get to know God more and help us relate to Him better and understand Him and know Him more intimately. In other words, we should be doing lots of religious practices, right? But... As important as that is, it is not the main thing that God is calling you to as a Christian. Doing religious practices like prayer and Bible reading and church services and all that is not the main thing that God is calling you to do as a Christian. For some people, this is where their faith makes a visible difference in their lives. That is, the main thing that distinguishes some Christians from the rest of the non-Christian people around them is that. It's that they go to church on Sunday. They have a Bible, and they sometimes read it. They, they, they do these religious things. Maybe they give a little bit of money to their church. And if you're really into religious practices, you might even occasionally fast. Right, you might go without food for the sake of religious devotion. But for, for most of us, that's a, a bit of a, a, an extreme thing. We don't do that very often if we do it at all. Um, it's a really serious Christian who has a habit of regular fasting. But we're going to look at a section of the Bible now that explains what God thinks about these kinds of religious practices. And, and people who think that this is what God wants from me. What God wants from me is to do these religious practices. So open your Bibles over to Isaiah chapter 58. This is, a, the book of Isaiah is a, a prophecy that is, a, it's a message from God where God spoke to Isaiah and told him, this is what I want you to tell people. And here's the message that Isaiah brings to them. Isaiah chapter 58, starting with verse 1, he says, Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. So here it is. God is telling Isaiah, time to lay it out to the people and tell them what it is that they're doing that is angering me. Verse 2. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. So far, what they're doing, I don't, you know, it doesn't sound so bad, right? (laughs) Day after day, they're seeking after God. They're doing all these religious things. They're they're asking God for guidance in their lives. But somehow what they are doing is not right. And they have forsaken the commands of God, despite all of their daily religious seeking after God. Verse 3, why have we fasted, they say? And you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? You see, these people have noticed that God is not blessing them the way that they expected. They are practicing their religion, they are seeking God, they're even fasting. They feel like they are humbling themselves before God, but God isn't holding up his side of the bargain. And in this next section, God explains what's going on here. He says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all of your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. See, God is saying, you, how can you expect me to be impressed with your religious practices when the very day of your fasting is also a day of exploitation and violence? Verse 5, is, is, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? It actually sounds like some pretty hardcore religious stuff that these guys are doing. They're mourning over their sins, they're they're humbling themselves, they're wearing clothing of mourning, the sackcloth, they're throwing ashes on their heads, they're fasting. But God is not impressed. He says, do you really think that this is what I want? A big religious show that doesn't actually change the way that you live? Now, in today's churches, this is kind of a foreign thing to us. We don't usually wear sackcloth and throw ashes on our heads and and that kind of thing. But maybe we sing songs asking for forgiveness for our sinful hearts and declaring our devotion to God. And God is often not impressed by our worship and our religious acts. Why? Because these kinds of religious practices that are not accompanied by appropriate behavior are not what he wants. Verse 6, he explains what he does want. (laughs) Is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away? from your own flesh and blood. So what is the Bible saying here? It's saying that the heroic work that God has prepared in advance for you to do cannot be limited to the performance of religious practices. Even really good religious practices, even extreme stuff like fasting and and, and reading the scriptures, and doing the monthly memory verse challenge. That's not the kind of fasting that God wants from us. That is not the heroic good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. The heroic good works should flow out of a strong religious life, but those religious practices are not the works themselves. Here's the works themselves, to loose the chains of injustice. To set the oppressed free, to share your food with the hungry, to provide shelter for the poor, to clothe those who need clothing. Now, I know that because of our current political debates, some of us on the political right are triggered by the word justice these days. And if that's you, you need to realize that justice is a biblical idea. And that God is very concerned about justice. And we are called to loose the chains of injustice. And yes, that includes injustice that is based in racism. And if we are called to loose the chains of injustice and set the oppressed free... We need to be looking around us so that we can see where that work needs to be done. Those who are on the political left and those who are on the political right might disagree on what constitutes injustice and oppression in our world today, but whichever side you're on, you need to be looking and finding the injustice that is there And you need to be finding the oppression that is there. And when you see it, that is where God is calling you to set the oppressed free and to do heroic good works. And Isaiah gives us some pretty big hints as to where we should look. Look for those who are hungry, those who are in need of shelter, and in need of clothing. In other words, it's the poor And it's hard to avoid the fact that in Anchorage today, the people who fit this description best, who are in need of freedom from oppression, in need of food and shelter and clothing, are the homeless. Clearly, the good works that God has called us to do go beyond the homeless. But they are obviously included. And of course, it's equally obvious that there's no simple and easy solutions to homelessness, to help the homeless requires heroic work. Work that God has planned in advance for us to do. Now, I'm happy to tell you that all of you who, who give financially to Clearwater Church, we are doing something for the homeless in Anchorage. Our church gives uh, contributes money from our regular income to the Downtown Hope Center, which provides food and shelter and clothing and helps save them from the oppression of life on the streets. But let's not congratulate ourselves too much. While our church does contribute to the Hope Center, that is hardly the extent of the heroic good work that God has planned for you to do. So here's the thing, though, is that God has not called all of us to be extensively involved in work with the homeless. There certainly are other areas of oppression and injustice and need in our community. There are other people who are hungry and in need of shelter and clothing. There are other yokes holding people in bondage. And of course, the greatest bondage that anyone is held in is the bondage to sin. People need the gospel even more than they need food and shelter. And of course, that obviously includes people from all income brackets. (laughs) Maybe the heroic work that God has called for you is to explain to your friends the truths of the gospel, to tell them that story about how Jesus can be their hero and come and rescue them, or at least bring them to church where they'll come here and, and learn about how they can be free from the penalty of sin. Maybe the heroic work that God has planned in advance for you to do has to do with racial reconciliation. Maybe the heroic work that God is calling you to do is to fight against the oppression of human trafficking. Maybe the heroic work that God is calling you to do is to lead people through a program like the healing journey that people in our church have done And helps people to get free from the yoke of oppression created by the wounds in their past. Maybe the heroic work that God is calling you to do is to be a foster parent. Or to go and work at Beacon Hill, serving kids who are in the foster system and helping at-risk families to stay out of the foster system. Unfortunately, we live in a world where there is a lot of heroic work that needs to be done. And here's the thing, God does not expect each of us to be heavily involved in every need that's out there. God is not calling you to do everything, but he is calling you to do something. He calls different people to be more involved in meeting particular needs and in doing specific kinds of heroic work, but don't let that be a cop-out for you. God has not called you to do everything, but He has saved you for the purpose of doing good works that He has planned in advance for you to do. And the works that He has planned for you to do are not small things, they are heroic works. So, what are you doing now? Are you making a heroic effort to do good in our world? Are you actively looking around and paying attention for injustice and oppression and for ways that you can do something about it? Are you seeking God's calling on your life and the things that God is calling you to be a part of? Well, what if you don't know what what good work God has called for you specifically to to be involved in? Well, then educate yourself. (laughs) Find out about the needs in our community and the organizations that are working to meet those needs. Then volunteer with a couple of different organizations. See where your heart is moved by the needs that you see around you and the way that you can help. And if you volunteer a couple times and decide, you know, I don't think this is the place where God is calling me. Well, then you don't give up after that. Then you go find another place to investigate and find out where the spot is. And let me give you some specific suggestions here. I don't want to leave this general and just say, go out and do, do something. I'm going to tell you about six different things here that you can do to do the work that God is calling you to do. I already mentioned that our church contributes to the Downtown Hope Center. We also have a number of people who volunteer down there. You too can volunteer down at the Hope Center, uh, which serves our uh, homeless population. They need volunteers to help with meal prep and with serving meals. Six days a week, they're down there serving meals. You can be down there helping with that. They need volunteers to help in the shower house. And in the clothing room, they have a way for people that don't have a home to come in and get get cleaned up and get their laundry done and, and those kinds of things. They need volunteers to work in there. They have a shopping list on their website of items that they need for their food service and for their shower house. And you can just get that shopping list, go down to Costco, buy some stuff and take it down there. And I'm sure there's many other things you could do with the Hope Center. Another possibility, set free church. Set Free Church is a church plant. The pastor of it is sitting right over there, Joshua Seely. Wave your hand. Josh uh, runs that church on Saturday nights at our building over in Spinard, and, uh, and and that church is seeking to help people who are in the recovery community or need to be recovering. Um, so they're helping people who have addictions and different uh, problems and things like that. They're they're still just getting rolling with that church. They have a lot of need for volunteers because they haven't built up their own congregation yet. So they, we need help down there flipping burgers and, uh, and serving a meal that they serve before every service. Uh, we could use people who can play an instrument with the band. They have a church service every Saturday night. If you can play the guitar, or Josh even said if you play the clarinet, you can come down there and help out. They need a sound tech, somebody to run the soundboard there for those services. They're also hoping to go out into the neighborhood and put door hangers on the, on the doors in that Spinard neighborhood and to, to talk to people and tell them about the, the things that are available there at Set Free. All those are volunteer opportunities you can do at Set Free Church. Food Bank of Alaska. Food Bank of Alaska, obviously their main thing is serving food to people who have needs in our city. And they are looking for volunteers to help with food distribution. One of the places where they are always looking for volunteers to help distribute food is directly across the street from our place in Spinard. We're on 33rd and Spinard. On the other side of 33rd Avenue, also on 33rd and Spinard, is Lutheran Social Services, where they have food distribution from the Food Bank of Alaska. And you can get on the Food Bank of Alaska website and sign up to help at that place, right next to our own location. They also put together food boxes down at Takatnu. You know the old Sam's Club over here in Takatnu is now a giant warehouse for Food Bank of Alaska. And uh, they put together 2,000 food boxes a month for elderly people that they then take to their homes. And they need volunteers to help with that. They also need volunteers at their warehouse to help sort out produce that is donated to them by stores and things. Produce has to be sorted and throw out the bad stuff and clean it up and get it ready to go to their distribution centers. Beacon Hill, I mentioned them a few minutes ago. They're an organization in our city that works with foster families and with foster kids and also with at risk families and provides a variety of services to them. They need volunteers to process and organize donations in their boutique thrift store. They need people to provide meals. Sometimes when those families come in to visit their kids who are in the foster system, they want to serve a meal to them and they want families to, or people to bring a meal for that family to eat while they're there. They, some of those families that are having uh, receiving service at Beacon Hill need transportation to get there. You just drive over and pick them up and drop them off at Beacon Hill. They're also in need of some some bigger things. They are looking for host families who can care for children for short-term situations where you can uh, sometimes a parent just needs some place for their kid to go for a few days, and if they don't have anything else, the kid goes into foster care. But Beacon Hill has these uh, host families that can provide short-term care for children. Another possibility is Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity needs volunteers to work at their uh, place over, also kind of in the Spinard area, where they have the Restore, where they're selling uh, hardware and uh, building supplies and things. They need people in there to sort that stuff and process their donations. They also, of course, Habitat for Humanity builds houses and they need guys to go and swing a hammer. Girls too, so go swing a hammer and build a house to provide low-income housing for people in need right here in Anchorage. Another possibility you could get involved in is that our church is, we're in the beginning stages of of hoping to plan another mission trip to Bolivia. A couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, we, uh, we sent a team to Bolivia to uh, work alongside some of our missionaries there who work at a Christian camp in Bolivia. And we poured concrete and and, uh, stacked bricks and did a bunch of cool work uh, there at the the campsite in Bolivia. And uh, hopefully this fall, we will be sending another team down there to the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere to help them with that camp. So keep your ears open for details about how you could spend your vacation instead of uh, laying on a beach somewhere, you could be pouring concrete in Bolivia. Um, Also, just in a few weeks, we're sending a mission team out to Norvik, Northern Alaska, uh, where we will be uh, doing some work with uh, the children uh, in the village of Norvik. So, that is a small sampling of the kind of things you could get involved in. If you don't have another idea, do one of those things. God has not saved you so that your new life can only be different from your old life in that now you include a few religious practices in your week. God has saved you so that you can do heroic good work. Be proactive. Find good work that you can do. Get off the couch and get busy doing the work of God. And I'm going to give Jesus the final word on this. Here's what Jesus said to us. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it is through your great love and grace and mercy that you have saved us, though we are undeserving. And Lord, we thank you for saving us. And now that we have been saved, Lord, we know that we are called to do the great works that you have prepared for us. To break the chains of injustice, to break the yoke of oppression Lord, I pray that you would inspire us, motivate us, prompt us, guide us to do the work that you have for us to do. I ask this, Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.